One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I've left you used to the sound of training, or the sound of the car driving back from the stadium, the sound of the call to prayer, rondos, footballs being struck. All you can hear now is the aircon. I'm back at HQ. That deathly silence seems to me highly appropriate for a shambolic night where Spain were out the competition for several minutes are, are through, not because of Morata's goal, really, but because of the two goals scored by Germany, who reacted, there's the word, reacted and refused to be beaten by Costa Rica, having trailed. Haven't seen that game yet, but there's very clearly a lesson to be learned for Spain's staff, Spain's players. As much as there is from re-watching the defeat to Japan, reaction is a very big thing. That was um, an embarrassing defeat. And not in the least because a side which has won three European Championships and one World Cup, which was a semi-finalist at the last Euros, is a finalist um, in the most recent Nations League, lost to a national team of much less renown. That's not it. And before anybody counters about the embarrassment I talk about and says, well, this is a World Cup when Belgium and Germany are out, where there have been truly shocking results, like France losing their final group game to Tunisia, like Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. I could go on. It was embarrassing because there was no correlation between how Spain have trained and how they played. There was no correlation between the powerful emphasis placed upon Luis Enrique, who remains a terrific coach, whose reputation isn't besmirched by having a bad night, but he had a bad night. And there was no connection between the 11 he chose and the power of the words pre-match where he said, we're not going to take any chances. We're not going to play percentages. We're going to get out there to win. Come back to the lineup in a second. 
But worst of all was the fact that if the players wanted to punch their weight in that first half, if the players fully believe what they've been saying in interviews, not just with me, but with the variety of Spanish media who have had access to the vast majority of the squad so far, and we've seen Emerick reports saying, well, why shouldn't we win the World Cup? No, he's got no blame for tonight's result. We've seen Rodri saying, there isn't a national team that plays better football than us. I've consistently asked footballers, Spain footballers, are you here to compete or are you here to win? And, and they'll say, we're here to win. Defeat is absolutely not a guarantee that you can't win the World Cup. There are several teams that have shown that and Spain are only one of them. It's about the manner of the defeat. It's about the manner of the way in which Spain tried to unpick their rivals in the first half when they had control of the game and control of the ball. It's about the lack of competitive aggression that, for example, you hugely see in, in Manchester City where Rodri and, and Laporte play f simply, for example, you, that you see in Real Madrid where Asensio and Carvajal play. That, that snarl, that ego, that bruising, nasty, I often use the word mala leche. Mala leche is just, it's fucking badness. We're like, we're not losing this or you're not beating us. That wasn't in evidence. So let me take you to the stadium. Um, Al Khalifa is, is a stadium from the instant I got there, I didn't like it for Spain. From the instant the group was drawn, if any of you happen to know Steve Freeth of Bet365, I said to Steve in the build-up to the World Cup, I, I think it's only 65-35 that Spain go through this group. And that's not retrospective wisdom. That's not me claiming something that I had in my head. I repeatedly said to my friend Steve Freeth, this group really worries me. I knew as a fact that while Spain could beat Germany, a very strong possibility that Germany had weapons to prevent them doing so and that it was no guarantee. And it was always Japan and the match order that I liked least. Japan are a side whose intelligence of how to use their athleticism, their daring, their absolute lack of any fear about being embarrassed, any fear about putting in extra effort, effort which some of the Spain players either didn't want to use or didn't have, and their coaches' successful tactical changes during matches. It, it was widely held, and I agree, that the number of changes he made for the Costa Rica match from the beginning fluffed the chance to get out there and, and beat what I still think, despite what the table says, or said halfway through the second half. Costa Rica were the weakest side in the group, and Japan had a, a perfect opportunity to get six points by beating them, by ensuring the qualification, and and they didn't. And the coach looked a bit silly, given the side that he fielded. However, 
The changes he made um, for the second half against Germany, the changes he made um, here tonight has won him qualification. Six glorious points. Any slightly lesser side that beats Germany and Spain in a group and qualifies top has had a damn good campaign already. So, the way I look at the the group was that to get through in this manner feels embarrassing for former world champions. To get through in this manner feels embarrassing for a side which stuck seven past the first rivals. But from the beginning, I have hated the way that this group shaped up. People called it the group of death. Spain are alive, so, well, hey, fantastic. But getting to the stadium, to get back to the point as well, it was the type of stadium that wouldn't bother some sites, didn't bother Japan at all, but I knew Spain wouldn't like. Vast acres behind the goal, big tranches of fake green grass beside one of the touchlines, the ball out of play for quite a long time, a cavernous area far from the um, from the fans. It's a former athletic stadium or a redesigned, re- repurposed athletic stadium. Spain don't like that. They like noise, they like pressure, they like the crowd being on top of them. Some of those Spain players have done so much, are so physically and mentally jaded after a really brutal couple of seasons and this season concertining all their domestic and Champions League work into a shorter space of time, that they need a jag. I think it's been true of Real Madrid for the longest. They need a jag. They need the fear of elimination. They need hostile fans. They need a rival who's boastful. And they react. Little things like that do matter. And I do think that this was uh, a slack and under-inspired performance in the first half, when for me, a lot of the damage was done. I'll explain. Anyway, to get back to the point, it was a stadium where the vast acres of room around the playing surface did not help one little bit. And I didn't think it was going to benefit Spain. In the end, it didn't. The worst thing for me, first of all, often I'll watch in these tournaments the game pitch side behind a goal, sometimes in a media tribune quite close to the um, playing action. In this instance, I was right up in the stands with a bird's eye view of the high line that the Japanese back five, because in large parts of the first half, they played a proper five. I'd asked Rafael Paul, the second coach to Spain, the Luis Enrique's assistant in the coach on arrival interview, it's called, when the national teams are obliged to, to put one of the coaching staff up as they get to the stadium and then the warm-up begins. I said, listen, do you think they're going to play three with wing-backs? Or play five? Or, or And he said, listen, I think they'll oscillate between the two. And in the first half, they did not. They played five at the back. I didn't think there was any real wing-back play until the half-time changes. What that left was often a 5-4-1 Japanese formation, or perhaps occasionally 5-3-2. But the line was super high. What was available for Spain, first of all, was a vast gap where even Itakura and Joshudo and Shogo, who was playing left centre-back 
Taniguchi, and Shuichi Gonda, the keeper. The space between the three central defenders and also the two fullbacks playing in the five was huge. Now, take a think about what happened in Spain's 11. Luis Enrique hammered home the message there would be no kind of old Italian style playing for a, a draw and sneaking through in second and quite happy to avoid Brazil and Argentina. None of that, he said. He, he said that they, they wouldn't be taking it easy and, and allowing players the idea that this was a, a restful opportunity to stroll to victory. Flat out, all out, he said. Every player has said the same thing. So if you look at the selection policy with Alba and Carvajal dropped, that was already strange. Carvajal, vastly experienced, repeat Champions League winner, even though Aspilicueta sets up the goal for Morata, the first time a Spain striker has scored in three consecutive group games since the 1950 World Cup. Carvajal is consistently the better user of the ball in an attacking sense from right full-back. Alba has one of the highest assist counts in this World Cup, rested or dropped as well, whichever, however you want to say it. In this place, Baldi, a rocket, 18, barely experienced at, at club level, but a rocket, daring, highly effective and impactful against Costa Rica. Up front, Nico Williams, same sort of argument, not that experienced. Sure, did well against Costa Rica, did very well in helping set up the goal against Portugal to qualify from the Nations League. Two flying machines. Morata now the nine, not just rewarded for his goal against Germany or his goal and, and assists against um, Costa Rica, but because he's a nine, not a false nine, able to attack, aerially good, reasonably pacey, loves the counter. Have I set the scene? So I'm on high with a bird's eye view, looking exactly at the high line that Japan are playing. It was begging out for one of those runs whereby Nico Williams, for example, the winger, the quicker of the two compared to Omo, drops, does an NFL run, drops, brings his man with him, turns, and gets the ball sent over the top for him. There were five times in the first half where Murata simply had to come off to, normally it was Yoshida, occasionally it was Itakura. Morata simply had to make a, a drop, come off Yoshida or Itakura, bend and turn and sprint and be released by Olmo who dropped into the midfield or Busquets or, or Pedri. And it didn't happen. Time and time again, I watched the vast gaps. And not only were there no failed passes to exploit that huge space in behind, Repeatedly, there were no runs. It was impossible to understand because Spain largely controlled the ball. So what was going on? It, really, honestly, it's only as the days go by and things calm down that I'll be able to ask players or the coach, were you prohibited or did you prohibit the players from running in behind? Was, was that a tactic? Or was it outright sloppiness? I'll tell you something else as well. Um, the men who produced this sent me, a, a not a transcript, but a, a rough precy of Gary Neville at halftime on whichever channel he was working, saying, 
this is the outstanding performance of the tournament. They're the best coached side. They're the best side in possession, the best side out with possession. I also spoke pre-match to a multiple Champions League winner, a golden boot player, and they were raving about Spain. Now, I promise you, hand on heart, in good faith, I'm not telling you these tales because Spain lost. But I couldn't understand. Pre-match, I couldn't understand. I sat next to a, a double winner from England, um, just behind me um, during the game. And there seems to be, in England, th this overriding feeling that Spain are beautiful to watch, that they're technically exquisite, and that until now, the multiple Champions League winner who I spoke to said if Spain had a really good striker, I'd say they're big candidates to win this. I, I can't... This isn't my father, Ted, when he's the... the what is he? Golden cleric. And he gets his hit list out to settle scores from decades past. I'm not doing that. But in 2010, when Spain won 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, had a cast of geniuses, and, and largely none of the sides, except for Germany, wanted to play. They all wanted to bully and defend and spring a break. Spain played utterly fucking outstanding, daring, risk-accepting football. And because they only won 1-0 against Paraguay or Portugal or Holland or Germany and didn't make mincemeat of Chile in the, in the group game, they weren't really hailed or appreciated. Right now, they sling the ball about. They've got a couple of near teenagers now that Pedri's turned 20 in the midfield. There's talent everywhere. And they certainly, in this World Cup, have been playing some of, if not the most, outright attacking front foot football. But they're so far from the descriptions I've been hearing. They're so far from perfect. They're so unable to dominate teams with possession and consistently create big goal chances that I couldn't understand the, the outpouring of adoration, particularly when 12 years ago there was so much less of it when it was deserved. More so, I really wondered, and I'm not having a go at Gary Neville, I've seen around the, the game and the, the broadcast compound tonight a lot, I'm not having a pop at him. Pundits like him are paid to give their opinion, he gave it and fine. But when he was saying those best this, best that, best the next thing, Based on what? I thought Spain were sluggish. I think they were afflicted by torpor and complacency. In a first half when they had enough of the ball to accelerate, take risks, create umpteen goal chances. Where were those goal chances? Throughout the game, sitting next to a, a friend of mine, Sam Matterface, right next to this time, I said to him, I don't like this. I, do, I don't enjoy this. this is, they're not playing well. And I looked, repeated at Luis Enrique, jumping up and down, hauling players to attention, demanding that the two wingers play wider, furious about certain passes. And here I want to make a crisp point. In a defeat like this, where largely they, most of Spain's players were under par, the one who stood out to me was Pau Torres. 
He's no behemoth of a footballer, tall, but he hasn't really won so many plaudits, been part of a team that won the Europa League, went to the Champions League semi-final because he's a big brute of a centre-half. He can play. He's a passer. He takes risks. He's a decent footballer. Tonight, first of all, I can't comprehend why he was picked. So far, he's looked sort of solitary, sleepy-eyed, not that involved. It, it's been a little hard to understand. He, he doesn't look switched on. Yet, he started. He gave the ball away over and over again and not even under pressure. One of those performances that made you think, well, I'm not the coach. I'm not even seeing the majority of the sessions. But this is a player who's performed exactly the way that he's looked since arriving here, which is not on full form. Pau Torres didn't lose them the game. Pau Torres wasn't at fault, really, I don't think, for either of the goals. But he played badly. And whether that's like a chain reaction that fizzes through a team when one or two are playing poorly and three or four think, ah, we'll, we'll beat these. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. There were so many things in that first half that weren't right. The speed of movement of possession, the daring, the movement in the space for the ball. Some of the pressing was very good. And do you know when it was at its best? When Spain were having to win the ball back, having lost it in a missed pass or a missed control. 
Yeah, they're very good at that. But you don't want to have to do that. At their best, they don't have to do that. So, critique over. Post-match, Luis Enrique repeatedly call it five crazy minutes. The first goal, I, I think I want to exculpate Unai Simon from much of the blame because when you're a keeper who's being pressed against a team that everybody in your coaching staff knows will press you, giving him three, minimum three, options of where to put the ball when he's under pressure in his own six-yard box is an absolute, an absolute. And he often didn't have that. He doesn't like to dally on the ball. He's been caught dallying on the ball a couple of times in the last two matches. And that's because he hasn't seen instant options to pass. Spain aren't being clever enough in helping their goalkeeper if they're committed to playing out from the back. His ball out to Baldi should have been good enough. Baldi at 18, inexperienced, small, got bullied. First of all, he should have got to the ball, known there was a man coming, head flicked it over so that the Japanese player who closed him would have had to turn. Once challenged, the modern way, and I'm not advocating cheating, is to get your body in a position, if you can't get to the ball, where it looks like the player has steamrolled you over and you get the foul. He did neither of those things. At that point, Unai Simon, for my taste, is, I don't know if a stud went from underneath him, but he's diving too low. The shot's fierce, well done Japan, daring, good pressing, fabulous, hats off. Does Unai Simon do brilliantly? No, I don't think so. For the second goal, Spain look groggy, they get caught, they're being outworked, they're being outpaced. Japan are like, hey lads, this football thing is, is fun. Let's get after them. They look like, not puppies, but young, vivacious canines out in the, in the public park with a tennis ball chasing going, way, this is brilliant. And that much was, was fun to watch. I'd like to call myself an out-and-out -out neutral, but I'm not. I enjoy Spain. I like the players. I want them to do well. And therefore, the smile you can hear in my voice is that fair play to Japan. They were like, we can do this. We've got them on the ropes. And they went after Spain. The killer punch that they administered, I, I haven't listened to the wisdom that explains that it might actually be a legitimate goal because if some of the shadow of the ball is caught by the sun when the moon's in fucking Venus or whatever pish they were coming up with, the ball was out. Now, mistakes happen. We've seen a couple of penalties, at least, that have been outright wrong. Particularly the one Jimenez for Uruguay was penalised for, when every referee briefs us that if you're falling and you're putting your hand out to control your, your fall or to balance yourself as you hit the ground and the ball hits your hand, it's not a penalty. I saw a line today in the Spanish press, I cannot tell you that it's verified, that Moussaka, the head of FIFA's refereeing committee, has apologised to Uruguay for that penalty. Whether that line is the truth or not, it should be true. And Luis Enrique post-match said two things. He said, I've seen a photo of that ball for the second goal. It must be doctored because of 
if that's a true photograph, <laughs> it shouldn't be a goal. I, I bear no ill will to Japan for winning like that because every single player in this World Cup would take that goal if it was awarded to them. I I fervently disagree that the ball was still in play, the ball was out. I do not believe there's a rule that covers that because you could see, given that it's at night, it wasn't daylight, but you could see light between the edge of the line and the ball. The ball was fully over the line. It shouldn't have been a goal. But once it's given, two things happen. First, you look around yourselves, if you're dressed in red, and say, why didn't we play to the whistle? Why were we sucker punched? Why were we so groggy? And secondly, you react. And they didn't. Yes, Japan stacked their defence. But I agreed with one thing Rishin Ricky said, that after the five mad minutes, cinco minutos de locura, he said if Japan, Japan needed to qualify, teams that need to qualify pull out extra. He said if they'd needed to score more, they possibly would have done. I think he said they probably would have done. Spain huffed and puffed and, for my taste, got nowhere near picking Japan apart. The result is that there, was, there were fabulous celebrations that even though the overall percentage, I don't know, was it under 20% for Japan? We've seen it before. We've seen some of Mourinho's Madrid teams say against Barcelona, you can have the possession, we don't need it, we'll punish you. We saw Celtic at Parkhead, I think, having 20-ish percent of the ball and winning 2-1. Against teams that love possession and want to play out and either are slow or a little bit physically weak or can't get the goal that, that gives them the release of confidence that they need, these things happen. Isn't this the second time I've talked about occupational hazards for Spain in the way they choose to play? Yes. And therein lies the huge threat. The group against whom Spain and Japan must now pit themselves seems to have ended with Belgium out, Croatia as um, the team that Japan will face, and Morocco, slightly surprisingly, the team that Spain must face. I'm going to rein myself in and be careful because... I haven't been able to see enough of Morocco's football to be sure about this. But I have watched them pre-tournament. I do know some of their players. And it feels to me as if they are precisely the group of footballers that Spain on this form wouldn't want to face. You won't catch me denigrating a side with Luka Modric in it. But Spain stuck a fistful past Croatia last summer. I think Spain would have reacted extremely well to a Croatia side that they know, that I think they still they feel they still owe one to after the way they were dipped out of the 2016 European Championships because of Croatia coming back and winning the third group game. Where have we heard that before? Oh, yeah, tonight, yeah. So I, I think there's an enormous job of work to do for Spain if, they're, if they consider that they can beat Morocco. My questions afterwards to Aspilicueta and Morata and Luis Enrique were all about, do you feel you've got the character to react? 
do you believe that you can treat this as an accident and still get through against Morocco? Clearly they didn't say, no, we're, we're done for, we're, you know, stick a fork in me, I'm done. They said, yes, we've got the character and yes, we can stomach a defeat. And Morata said, "That's this is football, that's football. These things happen. Those are the right attitudes in terms of letting this defeat swamp you. That can't happen. But boy, oh boy, have they got an enormous job of self-recrimination to do. And in my opinion, as good an atmosphere as he's created, Luis Enrique should give them a bollocking. An outright kicking up the arse. You went out there, you didn't go at 100 miles an hour, you never found top gear, and when you wanted to react, you couldn't. Sort yourselves out psychologically. I think there were a lot of Spain people, not just players, who thought, yeah, Japan, yeah. They'll run around a lot, but in the end, we'll have too much quality. Not good enough, and won't be good enough against Morocco. There have been fewer curse words, no swear words were hurt in the making of this episode than I was using in the stadium tonight. Very disappointing night. I hope that I've been objective. I hope that I haven't been wearing Spain-tinted sunglasses. And I've recorded so often that I've forgotten some of the thing, things I've said with confidence. But I did say at training, um, the night before the match, boy, this sounds and feels good. This feels positive. There are bits that reminds me of the Spain that won tournaments. Then they go out and play like that. Who knows? Maybe Luis Enrique is feeling exactly the same as me right now. I thought everything was fine. Training seemed great. The boys seemed ready. And yet they go out and play like that. Unfortunately for him, he's paid the big bucks. He's got to come up with solutions. And there are lots needed. Through, into the knockout rounds, vielen Dank Deutschland, Dankeschön Mannschaft. Without those goals, Fulkrug having put Spain in the brown stuff in the last game, his assist and his goal kind of rescued them in this match. I'm Graham, and I endorse this message. I do not, however, endorse the way that Spain played. Night all.